everyone, and welcome to the Fertility in Focus podcast. I'm your host, Christina Burns. I'm a doctor of natural medicine specializing in the treatment of infertility via natural and integrative methods. I founded the Naturna Institute in New York City, where my team and I work with women and couples, often in collaboration with Western medical doctors, to guide the path to healthy conception. In this podcast, you'll learn all about your body and everything in the fertility landscape to help you realize your dream of baby. I'll be bringing you the best of advice from experts in the fields of both natural and conventional medicine, as well as the heartfelt and very helpful stories of brave fertility heroes on their path to baby. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in today. We are going to touch on a topic that I think we all need a bit more information about when we're trying to get pregnant. And that is the topic of what kind of exercise is beneficial versus what might be hindering our fertility efforts. So, you know, we talk a lot about nutrition. We talk about things like acupuncture. We talk about IVF. And generally, you know, the consensus among fertility doctors is to maybe do less during the cycle. Uh, But I think that this is a a larger lifestyle issue that um, needs to be addressed because there could be types of exercise that you're doing outside of an IVF cycle that could actually impact your success rates. And then conversely, you know, if you're not moving your body enough, there are issues with that too, depending on your profile and what your body's needs are. And I can walk you through that too. There's been a lot of research around how um, certain types of exercise will have an effect on our reproductive hormones by affecting or activating cortisol, that uh, stress hormone that puts us into fight or flight mode. I won't get into, you know, the deep physiological processes that activate cortisol. To, so to keep it simple, you just know that there are certain types of exercise that are more likely to activate cortisol. And cortisol is more likely to suppress the function of some of your reproductive hormones while spiking sometimes androgen levels like male hormones like testosterone, for example. So there's something that's called the pregnenolone steel. And that's basically how um, high intensity exercise can deplete uh, progesterone because pregnenolone is the precursor for both progesterone and for cortisol. And, you know, our survival response is going to favor giving us the hormone that's going to help us get away rather than giving us the hormone that's going to help us uh, gestate a pregnancy. When the cortisol level goes up and we need to keep kind of producing more, the pregnenolone will be used towards producing more cortisol. And it will create a deficiency of progesterone because then it won't act as a precursor as much to progesterone because it's being diverted to use as cortisol. And it makes sense, again, as the survival response. High intensity exercise puts high demands on the body. Our endocrine system, our hormonal system, helps maintain homeostasis within the body, particularly our adrenal glands. So our adrenal glands are are these little tiny glands that sit on top of our kidneys. And uh, they secrete a lot of our stress hormones. They also secrete hormones that regulate fluid balance, but they secrete things like adrenaline, epinephrine uh, and cortisol. And and they're more famous for that. There's a lot of talk about adrenal health and the stress response. We hear about it a lot in um, popular natural medicine culture. And a lot of people have published books on it, but it's also relevant for exercise. So it's physical or emotional stress. So it can be the physical stress of exercise, of uh, sickness, of just overwork. um, And then it can be the emotional toll of just daily stressors. Or maybe, you know, we've had something happen with work or family or what have you that put us in a constant state of stress that will attack the adrenal glands. But since we're focusing on 
exercise during the session. I am not going to talk as much about the stress response and how that affects the adrenal glands. High intensity exercise taxes the adrenals and affects sex hormones, throwing estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone out of balance. When athletes train at high intensity levels, cortisol is produced. Cortisol is secreted from the adrenal glands. If athletes overtrain, their hormonal systems will start looking for other places to draw the cortisol, hence the pregnenolone steel that I was speaking about earlier. So this is when the body takes cortisol um, from pregnenolone, which in turn decreases levels of progesterone. Progesterone is your gestation hormone. Um, So meaning that it is the hormone that helps you basically incubate a pregnancy. When we look at what hormones are produced at what parts of the cycle, in the beginning part of the cycle, when your menstruation is coming to an end, you are producing estrogen and the estrogen is what helps grow an egg. And then close to the middle of your cycle, you have a surge of LH hormone, luteinizing hormones, which, which releases the egg. And then you start producing progesterone and progesterone helps warm the body, literally increases the temperature of the body, um, helps to keep the lining intact so that an embryo can implant and thrive and grow. And then the levels will stay constantly elevated. But if we're doing a lot of high intensity exercise, we're going to be lacking the progesterone that will help the body hold a pregnancy. Some people with low progesterone levels might have early pregnancy loss, for example, like a really early miscarriage. You also will see uh, really bad PMS with low progesterone levels. It's one of the reasons why progesterone is so uh, frequently given with assisted reproductive technology, such as IVF or IUI or what have you. It's also because some of the IVF procedures may damage our only ability to produce progesterone that cycle, but it's supplemented nevertheless because it's essential for maintaining a pregnancy. So since cortisol is a steroid hormone and is made in the adrenal glands, the release of cortisol is controlled by the hypothalamus, pituitary gland, and the adrenal glands. Within healthy ranges, cortisol helps control blood sugar, regulate metabolism, reduce inflammation, control the water-salt balance within the body, and help support a developing fetus during pregnancy. However, when cortisol levels increase above the healthy range, your libido, menstrual cycles, moods, and many other things are affected. There was a study of uh, 40 female participants who had regular periods um, before they started training. It was a Korean study, and these women were training to be Korean officers, um, so they were in the military. They filled out menstrual questionnaires and fasting blood samples were collected so that they could have their hormone levels assessed. And all of their hormone levels, cortisol, prolactin, CRH, follicle-stimulating hormone, LH, E2, TSH and T4 were all analyzed. It was found that after the intense training that they were undergoing for the military, that their E2, their T4, which is a thyroid hormone, E2 is estrogen, estradiol, decreased substantially while cortisol, prolactin, and TSH all all increased. These are what we don't want increasing when we're trying to get pregnant. Prolactin, high prolactin is not helpful for getting pregnant. Um, High TSH is high thyroid stimulating hormone, and that indicates uh, a low thyroid level. If your thyroid is off, that will also lead to issues with you maintaining a pregnancy. It would be commonly a factor in irregular cycles, um, imbalanced hormones, and pregnancy loss, and just not getting pregnant. And then we already have talked about uh, cortisol itself being an issue. In addition, 70% of the participants who had regular periods, i.e. about 28-day cycles, uh, before they started their training, developed irregular periods. The metric for the hormonal changes was seen across the board. 
So 70% of participants still developing irregular periods because of high intensity training is that's, I mean, pretty definitive. And there are a number of studies on on stuff like this. So I'm sure military training in Korea is very, very intense. And so it's hard to relate to that. Um, But we're seeing the same thing happen with figure skaters, swimmers, runners, cyclers. So, you know, it depends on the person. It depends on the intensity of what they're doing, the frequency of what they're doing, the, the duration of time. But also, you know, it it's really probably safer to just assume that uh, longer bouts of exercise, a lot of cardiovascular exercise, very intense forms of exercise are not going to be beneficial for you while you're trying to get pregnant. Now, I don't want to take away all your joy (laughs) and your stress relief because I've had patients say, oh, my goodness, you know, what if I get fat or, you know, this is how I um, relieve my stress. And I and I totally understand that. And I think that it's important to be getting exercise. It's important to be getting exercise because it helps you detoxify. It does help you feel um, cleansed in your mind and in your body. Uh, and and it's, it's just a nice habit to have. Exercise is one of the healthiest practices that you can have in your life. But it's a tough thing to balance. And in our very type A society and workout centric society, I think a lot of people are overdoing it. And I think we need to really respect the fact that the body needs to send energy to the ovaries and uterus to be able to produce quality eggs, to be able to foster implantation. And we are going to have trouble doing that if we are diverting all of the resources to our muscles in our arms and our legs and our heart uh, and everything like that. So we really need to kind of honor that maybe slowing down a little bit in the exercise regime when you're trying to get pregnant is the way to go. And that is really if you're trying naturally or with IVF. If you're trying to get pregnant via IVF, there are additional considerations to have about doing exercise. Um, The main biggest one is ovarian torsion. So as your ovaries are enlarging with lots of eggs or follicles, so this is especially the case with IVF when you're taking the injectable drugs and you're producing lots of eggs at once, but it can also happen with an IUI or if you're just doing um, Clomid or Letrozole. So really any of the medications that increase the follicle count or the egg count on your ovaries would leave you more prone to something called ovarian torsion. So it's when your ovaries can twist over and you can wind up in the hospital with emergency surgery where they may have to remove the ovary altogether. Um, Sometimes they're able to just kind of restore it to its place. Regardless, it's incredibly painful, uh, not something that you want to be dealing with and definitely not something you want to be dealing with if you're undergoing a cycle. You don't need that kind of stress. The worry is that exercise with the movement of the body can lead to ovarian torsion. The point is really that you need that you need to understand is that exercise in excess, excess really depending on how spread thin you are already or just your constitution and what have you is going to have an effect on your fertility. So, you know, it could be something structural uh, like an ovarian torsion, or it could just be the suppression of your reproductive hormones, like the underproduction of the estrogen and progesterone or overproduction of prolactin uh, and testosterone. It just ends up being a bit of a mix of things that isn't helpful. And when you're undergoing IVF, there, you, you really don't want to be tinkering too much with your hormones with other things. And you don't really want to be taking the resources away from what the IVF is trying to do. Like it's literally trying to stimulate your ovaries to do more. And then so if you're doing something more intensive during the IVF, you're diverting the resources um, that are supposed to be going to your ovaries. 
So the, you know, we don't want to be messing with the hormones that you need to conceive and hold a pregnancy. Uh, you know, it comes down a lot to the estrogen and progesterone, but as I mentioned, there are other ones affected. And know that if your gas tank, so to speak, is already close to empty, like you're kind of low energy, high stress, um, what have you, then exercise should be gentler. It's like if you have adrenal fatigue from a lot of IVF cycles or overwork or too little sleep or chronic stress, you really should only be doing restorative exercises and walking. It's, it's just like you need to sort of let your energy build back up and let the resources go where they need to go. When you are depleted and have been in fight or flight mode constantly, your resting cortisol could be continuously elevated, thereby affecting your sleep, mental health, energy, fluid balance, and of course, your hormones and fertility. So this is what's happening in modern day is that we're kind of in a consistent state of fight or flight. And this can, again, be uh, induced by stress or, you know, response emotionally to things and to situations. And the fact that we're plugged in all the time. But again, it, it can be very related to a combination of that and the type of exercise we're doing. So just be really careful about too much output because um, that, that's like the kind of culture that we're in is that it's constant output. And, and that's really tough to have the resources left over to conceive and hold a pregnancy if there's output, you know, for a bunch of other physiological things that your body's trying to deal with. I'll be sure to do a session on adrenal fatigue so that you understand, uh, you know, sort of like the hormonal and mind-body connection there, uh, just because it's really interesting and it'll help you kind of adjust your lifestyle to make sure that you're going to be feeling well and be able to enhance your fertility. Again, the issue in either case of just having too much cortisol output or sometimes even low um, cortisol, because that can happen in advanced stages of, of fatigue or output, that it, the issue is that the reproductive hormones are affected. And so, you know, if the reproductive hormones are affected, it's going to affect the development of eggs, ovulation, and it'll affect your uterine lining. So anybody having trouble building uterine lining, uh, people having trouble, you know, growing their eggs, ovulating, then the type of exercise is, is going to be a consideration. That said, for women with PCOS, sometimes their ovulation and their egg, eggs don't grow because, you know, they have too much weight on them. And so in that case, we're introducing interval training, which I'll get into in a little bit. Your LH hormone, the one that spurs ovulation, uh, can also be affected. And it, that can make you stop ovulating altogether or just may make you lose regularity, like you're kind of ovulating sporadically. But yes, you can lose your period altogether too, or you may just have light periods. So the mechanism underlying this effect is that the resources necessary for your reproductive function are being diverted to serve the production of cortisol uh, and the stress response. And so just understanding the basic physiological idea that reproductive function is not necessary for our survival. So it's going to take the back seat. It's necessary, of course, for the survival of the species, but not for you to survive a dangerous situation. So our, our body's really intelligent. It's going to send the resources where they're needed to keep you alive. You also could have elevations in, in the uh, male hormones. Uh, which is, again, working against our fertility. The hormonal profile of women um, engaged in sports, which emphasize low weight, such as ballet, long distance running, gymnastics, and figure skating, are generally characterized by hypoestrogenism, so um, low estrogen levels. And again, estrogen is essential for growing an egg or multiple eggs, and also for helping your lining fluff up, for having cervical mucus, 
Um, you generally dry out a little bit more vaginally uh, if you are low estrogen, and it will also tank your libido. And not to mention that it's, it's an overall disruption of the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian access. And that's the way that essentially our brain is talking to our ovaries and signaling it to do the things that it needs to do for us to be ovulating men uh, regularly and for us to be able to conceive. The suppression of the reproductive function in women engaged in sports emphasizing leanness might be due to an adaptation in caloric deficit. So basically, you know, like we're kind of like using up all the calories and the nutrition uh, is, is being used towards, you know, building lean muscle and and making us fit. And also our fat levels go down. And, you know, although we don't want to have a BMI, a body mass index that's too high where we're overweight, that's not good for fertility either. If it gets too low, that's another way that we stop producing as much estrogen because estrogen does live in fat cells. There's a, a few different mechanisms for how we produce it. But being underweight is one of the ways that we'd be kind of putting it out. So for in general, if there's no real diagnosis of what's going on, um, like you don't necessarily have PCOS or, um, you know, if it's unexplained infertility or low ovarian reserve or, you know, you're under stress and that could be affecting things. That's even more reason to lay off the exercise, because if the stress is taxing the adrenal glands and raising the cortisol and then you're doing intense exercise on top of it, then you're just kind of in an elevated cortisol um, kind of loop all the time that's suppressing your reproductive hormones. So my advice is to do more relaxing forms of exercise. So if you're not in an IVF cycle, um, because again, I'm worried about ovarian torsion. I love yoga, uh, but not Bikram, not the hot yoga, just half a yoga, relaxing yoga. Uh, you can do vinyasa poses. Uh, you can do just resting poses, restorative yoga, what have you. But it will make your body feel very good. It will make your mind feel good. Uh, and it will, you know, lead you to feel physically and emotionally well. Uh, you'll still be getting um, the things that your body needs to to feel good that you would be getting from other forms of exercise. You just have to get away from needing that high because what happens is um, we can kind of get addicted to the high of some of the more intense forms of exercise or the types of cardio like a spin class or running. Um, and we're just going to have to sort of like break that addiction a little bit to that endorphin high and 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 find another way to feel elated and peaceful with other forms of exercise. So yoga is great. I'm also OK with bar classes, uh, ballet bar. And that's because generally like your heart rate goes up and then it kind of you get some rest and then it goes up and then you get some rest and you can adapt it to how intense you want to make it. But if you want to feel your muscles working like your thighs, your butt, your arms, then and then a bar class can be helpful. And also some forms of the vinyasa yoga can be good for that, too. Pilates, I'm also OK with. Just again, you're adapting the intensity. You know, I, I say like exercises if you are already pregnant kind of thing. So, you know, that you're not overdoing it. You're still getting the tone. You're still getting the elation. You're just not, you know, giving it your all because you, your all should be going to something else right now. So uh, I basically kind of uh, say like stick to the girly exercises when you're trying to get pregnant so that uh, we're not taxing and, and kind of ditch those you know, long bouts of cardio, those runs, those long bouts of cycling. If you're just going for a casual cycle, you know, in the park or whatever, then that's fine. But, you know, if you're kind of training for something or going for hours and hours, that's that's not great. And, and I do think most of those classes are a little too intense, though. If you're only doing about 20 minutes, then it's not that big of a deal. The longer you do the cardio, the more cortisol is released and you're more likely to have an elevated resting cortisol, which is going to lead to more issues. 
So girly exercises are what I suggest. If you are a little bit overweight, if you're insulin resistant, if you have PCOS, then, you know, the exercise is quite important. I still think those um, more gentle toning exercises are absolutely fine. What you want to be doing to improve on the insulin resistance and help heal the PCOS is to do interval training. So that could be as simple as you're on a treadmill and you have an incline for a couple minutes and then you go flat for a minute and you have an incline for a couple minutes, you go flat for a couple minutes. Or, you know, if you're walking around outside, you do stairs and then you're walking flat and then you do stairs and then you're walking flat again. If you were cycling, then you um, speed up temporarily and then you go very casually. You speed up and then you go casually. So I would say for about like 20 minutes to do an interval type of training like that would be good. And then for people with insulin resistance and or PCOS, there tends to be higher stress levels just because of how the uh, neurochemistry works. So I would highly recommend um, doing the relaxing forms of exercise, too. Because we are looking not only to not increase cortisol levels, but we're looking actively for ways to decrease cortisol levels. Uh, Now, I could dedicate an entire episode to PCOS and how to manage it, and I will, in fact, do that. But know um, for the sake of this episode that, you know, if you are high BMI, PCOS, you know, high, high fat content in your body, especially around the waist, That is not great for fertility. Uh, Now, we don't want you getting super lean or doing anything extreme to lose weight, but just integrating, you know, three to four days of 20 to 30 minute interval training. And it doesn't have to be anything intense. uh, Then that would be probably helping you get to where you want to be. Obviously, the dietary portion of that is important, too. And I will dedicate another podcast to, you know, what you should be doing with your diet if you need to reduce your the weight in your body or the fat content in your body for your fertility. We will get right back to today's episode in just a sec, but I didn't want to miss the opportunity to tell you about an exciting new project that I have underway. So here it is. I get a lot of questions about what to eat and avoid when trying to get pregnant. Since so many of you are interested in optimizing your fertility via nutrition, I've created a very special course that teaches you the ins and outs of just that. It hasn't launched yet, but keep your eyes and ears peeled from my course on fertility nutrition. Whether you are already undergoing IVF or just trying the old-fashioned way, my goal is to help give you all the nutritional tools you need to enhance your fertility and speed your path to baby. All right, let's jump back in. So again, other things that you can be doing without having to do it inside in a gym, especially during the age of COVID, if there are any hills near your home (laughs) um, or again, stairs in the park, or if you live in an apartment building, uh, there are plenty of classes that you can do on your phone these days. So bar classes, Pilates classes, and and there are a lot of um, workout, let's say influencers that have like 15 minute workouts. And that's just awesome, in my opinion. So I think that we have to stop thinking about exercise as something that we have to kind of kill ourselves to get results, that maybe it's more of an easy does it. And actually, the lowered stress levels can balance our fluid balance and also help us lose weight. High stress levels are notorious for making us uh, have more fluid in our bodies. And that goes the the same thing for um, high intensity exercise. We could be retaining more fluid. And uh, sometimes when we're in a constant stress response, our body likes to retain fat um, because it thinks that it won't get food. It's another survival mechanism. So it's another reason that we want to be kind of reducing cortisol. We want to not be kind of adding to it with adding lifestyle habits that are 
going to cause issues. Our focus in this podcast is on the fertility aspect of the, of this. And that's why I explained, you know, how the hormonal feedback systems work so that you can understand that if you're doing intensive exercise or just a lot of aerobic exercise, then, then that's where you're going to start to have issues. So you want to walk regularly. I would say every day you need to move your body every day. Um, I think sitting on our butts is something that became really common during COVID and that is detrimental. We build toxins in our system. We feel lethargic and, you know, it's not good for the mental health either. The movement is important every day, at least 30 minutes of walking every day. But I would say even more than that, especially now that it's getting nice. And then three, four times a week, you can integrate maybe 20 minutes of some type of exercise. If you want to do an hour long yoga class, of course, you can do that. But again, 20 minutes is all it takes. And I think in some ways it's going to be a less is more type of situation. So let me know via DM or contacting Naturna Institute if you want to know more about this topic and if you have any specific questions. Definitely am happy to address them. And I'm wishing you all the best of luck in your fertility efforts. Until next time, I'm signing off. I'm really happy you've tuned in and joined the community. And I'm so excited to bring you more helpful content with each episode. In order to make this podcast as helpful as possible, I want to hear your input on what questions you need answered to get you feeling empowered on your fertility journey. You can DM me on Instagram at at Naturna underscore life or at naturally CB to share your most important fertility related questions. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please follow and share with friends. My mission is to help as many women and couples as possible. And for that, I need your help. Yours as always in love and light, Dr. Christina. Christina.